This is a HeadGum Podcast. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for another beautiful day of your grace and your presence kissing us and saying, wake up, baby, wake up. Thank you so much just for the, oh, we did to stretch and yawn. Father, for those that did not get enough sleep, Father, we ask that you would just give them like a boost, a little five-hour energy in their spirit to make it through the day. Father, we ask for those that did get enough sleep. Father, we ask for productivity on their day. Father, we ask for peace. We ask for divine favor on today. Father, we rebuke all situations that would try to just take us out of the spirit of joy and and peace and fruitfulness and abundant heart to give and to just to just to give unto others so that others may be in the same season of blessing and harvest, whatever that is, whether it's just a smile, a word of encouragement, girl, just whatever. But just, Father, we just say thank you. We say thank you, thank you, thank you. We thank you for your spirit going before us, going behind us and just being with us so we can be champions, greatest one of all. I was feeling very that in my spirit, y'all, that's RuPaul. Anyway, Father, we just say we bless you and we love you and we just say amen. Naomi Osaka, 23-year-old tennis superstar. We love her because she uses her platform for good. Yes, queen, yes, queen, yes, queen. We remember her refusing to play in the North and Southern after the death of James Blake, saying, before I am a Black athlete, I am a Black woman. I know that's right. Then she continues to shine light on the death of Breonna Taylor, Elijah McClain, Ahmaud Aubrey, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd, Philando Castile, and Tamir Rice by wearing their names on her mask every day during the last year's U.S. Open. But she's today's excellence because just at 23 years old, she became part owner, legendary children, of the professional U.S. women's soccer team. I think that is amazing, girl. She got, can we cue that grandchildren, grand, grand, grandchildren already rich? She says, I've been waiting to get involved with the NWSL for a while to promote women's sports and also as a business investment because I can see it growing rapidly. All right, girl, on Disney Plus. Do you know what it is, girl? Starting today, the Brandy and Whitney Houston Cinderella edition. Will be what? Joining Disney Plus, which it should have already been there. I went home for Christmas. I wanted to have this moment with my mom. I talked about how I did it in Canada. And I was like, oh, mom, I did this performance. Let me show you Disney Plus. And it wasn't there trash. But it's there now, girl. Anybody remember? That was a good time. That's when we had Whoopi Goldberg, a black woman with that white man. I don't know what his name was. And then she came up with that Filipino baby girl. He was so cute, girl. Do I love you because you're beautiful? Ah, it was so good. And we also had the late Natalie DeSalle Reed, who played one of the uh, mean sisters. DeSalle was the one in the green dress. She was so cute, girl. Ah. 
what was that song? The mother song? Ooh, whatever. Anyway, I want to go back and watch it. It was so good. Check it out. Uh, why are people being mean to Chloe Bailey? Chloe Bailey, as in Chloe and Hallie. Y'all know the Girl, they're very, very bad. Anyway, um, well, Chloe posted a busted challenge video on Instagram, which if you haven't caught it, it's actually quite fabulous, girl. She had that little jiggle jiggle girl in the little black dress. It's kind of cute, sis. All right, little sis. So the busted challenge is where it's what it's a clip of you, you know, maybe like five seconds of you looking basic, plain Jane, like put your head on my shoulder with the little 50 song. And then the next frame is boom, bust it. And then you kind of drop to the floor and you in like, you know, 2021 fashion. And then you make it jiggle look or work, you know, ratata. Well, since Chloe posted this video on her solo Instagram, people have been speculating that the industry is forcing slash grooming her to be sexy ahead of her solo career. The speculation and criticism caused Chloe to post a video of herself crying explaining the video as she has a new acceptance of her body and she's the same as she always been. Fans of Chloe and Hallie say, Chloe has always been the overtly sexier of the two. The big question remains, is this overtly sexual or is she just a better dancer? Does everyone consider Normani to be overtly sexual? Does everyone consider Britney to be over-sexual? While some, and even Chloe herself, may see this as her owning her body and her sexuality, I cannot help but wonder how much colonization has impacted how we see our bodies. Most of the dances we do rooted in African origin and somehow have been made sexualized. The same brand of sexuality everyone claims Chloe is performing on social is emblematic of the male gaze. Society is already using the Jezebel trope over-sexualizing Black women. My question is, how can we remove the lens in which we see through white supremacy and patriarchy? And this is a critique of the industry as well. Chloe is a music producer. She sings and can dance. Chloe and Hallie's talent is obvious from their music performances and acting on Blackish. Chloe isn't like these other girls that need to like take their clothes off to one, make a chat, two, to actually have like airtime, quality time, or anything. She's talented, done and done. But she can do whatever she wants because I believe that women, specifically Black women, can do whatever they want. All right, can we get an amen? Amen. Lovely. Jasmine Sullivan! We saw her sing the Star Spangled Banner this weekend at the Super Bowl in a duet with country singer Eric Church. Girl, the way their voices came together, his was still country, hers was still soulful. It just balanced. It was so beautiful. I caught a tear. I, it was so good. It was so good. So good. But she got a special on HBO Max called Her Story. I want you to check it out. 
because it's good, y'all. She sings all of the classics, y'all. Like, she goes down memory lane. First, I thought it was just going to be, like, all the new stuff. But she, bitch, the arrangement to bust the windows out your car was very, very sickening, girl. It was good. She has this cute little 60s number on with the little flip-flop, like Ariana Grande swoop, even though Ariana Grande... Why are we calling it Ariana Grande swoop? Let's call it the Black Girl swoop, because Ariana Grande, she stole it from us. Okay, anyway, it was good, y'all. And then she sings... Pick up your feelings with the mm, the runs was right. Then she did lost ones. So good, girl. It was so, so good. Please go check it out. Now, okay, let's jump on to the weekend. Um, the performance was bad. It was not good. It was not entertaining. It was dark as hell. And I'm I was not here for the fuck shit. Um, it was Bad, girl. He The fentanyl, tell him to put it down. The cocaine, tell him to put it down. Allegedly. Girl, he was iced out of his mind, girl. Why was he cheesing and grinning at the camera? Like, mm-hmm. The eyes was... I'm sorry. There was no stage presence. He looked dead behind the eyes. Ooh. He was running around. He looked windy. Clearly, he didn't work out before the performance. Like, uh-uh. And he got paid how much money to do it? Jay-Z, you could have just called Chloe and Halle to do the damn halftime show, bitch. Yep. <gasps> Bitch, we would have lived, okay? Bitch, Blue Ivy could have got out there and did a better damn job than that, bitch, okay? Brown, scared. We would have been like, yes, ma'am, sing the song. Okay, anyway, trash. Now, after I then read the kinky boots out of him, I wanted to talk about producing fruit. (laughs) Now, I always want to chat back in with y'all and just to share with y'all some things that I've been going through, some things that I've been thinking about. And what I've been thinking about, honey, are trees. We are all trees and we compare ourselves to others around us, right? And we can just, you just know what a tree looks like, girl. You'll see a bushel of trees and they'll be fruitful and then you'll just see one that just ain't, right? And I feel like a lot of times we feel like we are just always comparing ourselves to others, right? And it feels like we're missing out on a season of harvest. We feel like we are missing out on a season of producing fruit. But sometimes we are just really bad at judging our own growth and productivity. And I wanted to send a word of encouragement that maybe your time of producing Producing is coming, coming. okay? Now, we don't know what kind of tree we are, right? You might be an apple tree. I might be an orange tree. Like, I have an orange tree in front of my house. There's a grapefruit tree across the the neighbor's way from me. You could be a palm tree, girl. You could be a, a, a strawberry tree, girl. We don't know. Each tree is different. Some trees, their roots go down really, really deep, and they might be two, four seasons before they see a harvest. But don't be dismayed because your, your season, season is, is, is coming, coming. okay? We've all heard the story of Oprah and how she got fired and fired and fired. And she keeps telling its story about how it's all of these no's until you get that one yes. And that one yes will really, really make a difference. And I think about all the times in my life where I've stepped out on faith and we know how it goes. Like God will use every situation for your betterment, right? And we know what the scripture says. It says what? We know that he works all things together for those who love him, Say. 
this. So if things ain't working out, sis, maybe I suggest that you start loving him. I would also suggest and propose that what if that season is right now, sis? What if that season is for you to step out, right? Y'all remember growing up, we saw Bill Nye the science guy and he would take that bean and put it in a bag with some water and then it would just sprout that leaf. What, uh, what if you sprouting the leaf is you just stepping out? Maybe doing something like starting a podcast, starting a business, starting, starting girl, it could be a lemonade stand. It could be a water stand, taking care of the homeless girl, going, checking on those who were sick and sh- I don't know, sis, whatever it is, but just the simple fact of you stepping out there, start journaling, girl, just whatever. And then you'll recognize, boom, I'm actually a lot closer to the goal than what I started out. Like, and that's amazing. Okay. So I just want to encourage you to do what? Water the seeds that you planted and plant new seeds, the seeds that have started to sprout, cultivate them and trust that your season is now. It is coming, sis. Okay. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break and we're going to head into learning things. It's Black History Month, and there are never enough stories about Black history through our lens. You take Black history, which already doesn't receive the time and attention it should, then you add being queer on top of it. But today we're going to talk about stories of Black perseverance and activism. Now, <clears throat> today we are talking about Black perseverance and activism. And with us, we have a special friend, Dr. Eric Servini. Okay, he is a historian of LGBTQ+, politics and culture, graduate of Harvard. Oh, God. <laughs> with his PhD. <laughs> From the University of Cambridge. Excuse me, girl. You will be that man that I would be like really, really nervous to like text with on uh-huh. like flirt because you would be like, <laughs> you missed a comma, an exclamation point, oh, and a period. Very, very that. Now he has a new book. His new book, The Deviant War, uncovers the secret history of the gay right movement and all that happened before Stonewall. Everybody, let us welcome Dr. Eric. Thank you so much. It is truly an honor. I'm a huge fan. I even brought my, it'll stand in as my brown cow for today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now here you go. I had a question when we were talking about bringing you on and they were like, girl, he went through the FBI documents. And like, I said, wait a minute. So this is my question. Okay, right. So the book, Okay, the deviant, oh, uh, the deviant War. Okay, right? It goes through the declassified documents because they were classified at one point. Why did you say, I want to go through these documents? Like, what sparked the interest to say, what's in there? <laughs> well, we've all heard rumors about J. Edgar Hoover, right? There's even, you know, the Leonardo DiCaprio. Don't get me started, because, right. you know, and right. he was one of us. He was just light enough to pass. Exactly. Ooh, so don't, it, it begs the question, you know, if we had these, these organizations that were fighting for gay rights, 
beginning in the 50s and 60s, uh-huh. then what did the FBI director, um, who may have had similar proclivities, what was his view of, of these organizations? And it turns out he was pretty obsessed with them. Uh, you know, on, on the organization I write about, it's called the Mattachine Society. Uh, there's a thousand page FBI file uh, about these activists. And there were only like 30 or 40 people in this group, right? And there's a thousand pages on them. Uh, and so there's been some work done on them, but not, not, there should be several books, right? About, about the FBI and how obsessed they were and, and, and destroying these organizations. Now, just for me, because when we do a little story into the FBI and, and you know how they used to get down, uh, it just, for me, I go, were they trying to shut them down? Well, for sure, they were trying to shut them down to keep themselves covered. But at the same time, they had their own. Because you had they had to have their own safe quarters to do what, you know what I mean? Like, we know that J. Edgar Hoover liked to play in the drags as well, Seth. <laughs> like, he, he wanted to feel the fantasy girl. Mm. So I'm just going, why were you, sh- like, so busy shutting the, I don't, it, I don't, ugh, trash. Yeah. Well, anyway. I mean. So, I mean, a whole bit, a big part of it was, you know, if the FBI found out that you maybe you were working in the government or you're a member of Congress and that you were gay or you enjoyed drag, they could blackmail you with that. Right. And they could say, well, I know you're queer. So unless you want to lose your job, lose your family, lose everything, then you need to start giving me your secrets. Right. You need to start filling me in on other people and the government and what they're up to. Right. And so what what J. Edgar Hoover ended up doing is just having millions of pages of, of blackmail, essentially. I on, got chills. This is gross. Yeah. This yeah. is it's gross. Disgusting. It's this disgusting. is slightly gross. This is slightly gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, now here we go. Finding that out. Right. What did you find out before? This is I don't it's just so much light. I don't know. It's just. Did you cry at all? I'm slightly emotional at this time right now. Did you cry? Like, because you think about, like, because my next question, what was, like, life like and what was going on right before the riots or whatever? Mm -hmm. And you think about, like, these, because people imagine Stonewall to be this one day where Mm -hmm. they just said, oh, we're just going to fight back. Like, they don't know the history that these cops were tormenting them for like a while, I, I don't oh, know. Decades. I don't want decade. Okay, then boom. Okay, Truly. so I didn't want to yeah. be boom, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. so they have been getting them to finally our legendary sister who does not get enough cred. Who I think for me, can we just go here for a minute because it is Black History Month, please? People, I feel like people go, oh, she just threw the brick because she was queer, but a lot of people don't recognize that Marsha, and we're talking about Marsha, that Marshall is first black. Mm-hmm. and had mm-hmm. to grow up black and queer, right. which are, you know what I mean? Which still ain't safe to this very day. You know yep. what I mean? Like 19, this happened in 1969. 1960 is when they stopped mm-hmm. hanging, hanging, yep. hanging black yep. people. So I always imagine when she threw that bit, she's like, I have had enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so. With that, what was like going? What was like? What was it like before the Stonewall? Like, right? Like, what? Well, you got to remember this is the 1960s, and so right. this is the time of of the Black Freedom Movement. 
of, you know, starting all the way in 1955 with with Montgomery, you know, there were queers also within the black freedom movement. You very, know, I very think, that they don't like to talk about. No, that. exactly. And so, you know, we got to talk about Bayard Rustin. Right. A lot Thank of people, you. a lot of people overlook him. Um, he was, you know, he uh, grew up as, as a socialist, as a, as a pacifist, as a Quaker in Pennsylvania, gets arrested for refusing to fight in World War II, is openly gay, uh, gets arrested in 1953 uh, for found with two men in the back of a car. And, you know, two years later, it's the Montgomery bus boycott. And Dr. King, he's super young, he's still in his 20s, is, is organizing it, but isn't fully embracing nonviolence, right? He's, his, his house had just been bombed, right? He has mm-hmm. a baby, of course, he has armed guards, he has floodlights outside, he has guns inside the house. Bayard Rustin, this openly gay man, <laughs> shows up to Montgomery and says, hold on, right? I know you're under danger. I know, you know, you're, you're getting bombed. You have these white supremacists running around trying to kill you, but you got to put away those guns. You have to put away those armed guards because the only way to show the entire world that we have the moral high ground is if we give up all arms and totally embrace nonviolence. And that was Bayard Russell. That was a queer black man. And MLK listened to him. The, the armed guards disappear. The floodlights disappear. All the guns disappear. And But because Rustin was gay, uh, he was snuck out of Montgomery in the back of a car uh, because there was a rumor going around that, that you know, he may have uh, uh, not be who he said he was because he was pretending to be a reporter. And so that's 1956, right? This is, you know, almost 15 years before Stonewall. And you already have uh, resistance, an intersectional resistance, right? This is an openly gay man who is really revolutionizing the civil rights movement. Bitch, I'm gagged. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's amazing. And there are so many books on him. And people just, he should be just as well known as anyone else. I'm gagged that he was the one who was like, sis, don't mm. do it, sis. Anybody familiar with that scene from Color Purple when Miss Celia was about to slice up masses that girl? She's sister came in and she said, don't do it, Miss Celia. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, Miss Celia. That's gaggy. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow. Right, right. And then Rustin, he is the chief architect a few years later of the 1963 March on Washington, right? We all see the video, you know, yeah, I have yeah, a dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was him. That was him. The openly you gay know, man. I just watched, I think, a documentary about Ruskin. Brother Outsider, probably. It's really, I recommend it all to your listeners. It's called I Brother Outsider. Think, I think, yeah, I'm not going to say, yes. Okay, so watch that one. Watch that one. <laughs> there may watch be another. One. Maybe there another. May be a few others. Maybe a few others because I think... It, all I remember, it was the whole thing was highlighting like all of these queer people. Oh, oh it, it might have been equal on uh, on HBO. What, but it was back on? in the day and it was just oh, showing black people like we were here. Yeah. And I remember this photo of Ruskin because they had a photo of Ruskin and Martin Luther King yep. together. Oh, yeah. I yeah. just watched something with that. So, but just very, very... Gaggy girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know, just as as the, the Black Freedom Movement is getting underway, then you have 
you know, people in New York, for example, like Marsha P. Johnson, like Sylvia Rivera. Who, who they are, left behind. I'm sorry. I love to say that. Yep. I love to say that because the yep. fact is the community is still honest. We left. Like, uh, Marsha was like, okay, woo, 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 woo. I'm going to just say this also, Marsha, to me, I felt like, to me, I felt like they left Sylvia because she was a lot more vocal about trans rights. She mm-hmm. didn't have the soft, woo, 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 um, nice bubble that I'm going to say the mass whites wanted for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also going to say that they then passed Marsha off as a drag queen and not as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Because... Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Okay, so just needed to say that because y'all hope to trash. But we're doing better. We're doing better. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, at the same time, you you have it, at, before Stonewall was called the homophile movement, right? right? But the problem was it was a small groups of organs. Some of them were the Mattachine Society. They're all white, right? Very very few exceptions. But the, every step of the way throughout the '60s, they were copying the Black Freedom Movement, right? They were basically Xeroxing it. So you have the March on Washington in 63. The next year, just months later, you had the very first organized gay protest in New York City. Uh, and so that, you know, you can draw that direct line from Bayard Rustin to queer activism, right? But the problem was almost everyone within this movement was white because they, there were a few reasons. Of course, segregation, racism was rampant. Uh, within uh, the LGBT movement back then, just as it is now. Oh, I'm so happy you said it. I was going, I was like, is he smart? Is he going to yep. say the right thing? Okay, oh, you totally. smart. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's what you got to remember. I mean, like, I, I, I'm I, in LA. I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're in LA or New York or where. I'm where, in Palm Springs. Oh, you're kidding. Okay. Well, I mean, as you know, our, it's white. <laughs> our world, yeah, it, it's still segregated, right? And it was you know, there were more bars back then than there are now, right? There were, what, three, four times more bars in the 50s and 60s Gag, in, in LA. Which is gaggy. Than now. Yeah, exactly. And they were segregated. And that was, it was de facto segregation. So these white bar owners would say, oh, no, we're all booked up for today if you were black and tried to come to the, the queer bar, you know. And <clears throat> so, of course, if you build a movement, using that community that's going to be overwhelmingly white, then you're telling everyone else who goes to, you know, the black queer bars, you're not welcome. Um, and so it's, it's so ironic, right? Because they're literally Xeroxing the black freedom movement, creating this movement that's, that's, you know, you could argue plagiarizing this other one and not making room for the people that they're, they're borrowing from. Um, so that's all what's happening before Stonewall at the same time, they're having these pickets and demonstrations. You had there was a dress code, right? You had to wear a suit and tie in July, right? In 100 degree weather. I used um, to wonder about those photos. Yeah. <laughs> they so don't look very say, comfortable. They don't. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm just gagged. I'm gagged because <laughs> you've done a lot more of the research than I have. And so, and then just being Black and queer, one, you feel it coming into the community. I will never forget, as a queer person, you see the gay clubs and you see the little rainbow and you're driving in the car and you do that mm-hmm. little side eye because you identify with that space and you're like, but you, you know, growing up evangelical Christian, you know, you just, whatever. And you see all the commercials of like, come on out, we're wonderful, we're welcoming, da 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 and you get to the community and you get the worst look up and down, like, oh my gosh, you just like, 
you were shredded up right before you came in because you beat yourself up for walking for about right. to go in and then you go in right. and you go, oh, I'm still not enough, whatever, right? right. And so then knowing the history of all of this mm-hmm. and right. then you just confirming and then you go, it's a step further back and then you go, they just copied and paste. Even mm-hmm. though it was Brother Ruskin, you just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to go and process because I right. I want to I'm gonna bring you back because then now I have Please. other questions. <laughs> and you know you're you're as a white person, yeah, I think you'd be a great smart person. That may I don't know. We'll talk. Let me ask another question and maybe Please, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's gag. Is anybody else gagged? Bitch, did anybody else know this? <laughs> Are you like what, bitch? I hope your Google is on right now, girl. Like goop. Yeah. And there are so many, you know, books. Most of them are written by, you know, professors and stuff, but some of them are really enjoyable to read, you know, about Rustin, about, you know, uh, trans organizing, um, you know, so I'm really just pointing to these people who have been doing the hard work for years and years and years, but haven't been made, you know, they don't have movies yet. Right. right. We have, we have Harvey Milk. But we don't have Marsha. We don't have Sylvia. We certainly don't have Bayer. I mean, girl, we're not surprised. Yeah. Um, however, uh, what was I going to say? Why, like, why don't you think we know more? And, like, where can we find them? Like, I don't, like, I'm not going to lie. The other day I was on Instagram and I found out that there was a Black drag queen during slavery, bitch. Yes. I yes. said, the fuck? Yeah. Like, and here you go. I was watching. Are you watching The Oval? The yeah, Oval? Google his name, The Oval. Uh-uh. On BET Plus? Mm-mm. Oh, bitch. Just get in. Oh, it is. <laughs> the Oval. The Oval. Okay, it is all of what you need. Bitch, the opening scene is the president and his wife. She sl- crashes on, like, she slashes that bitch in the head with a, a glass vase. <laughs> he punches her. And then they're like, just a minute, please, right before the inauguration. Oh, my God. All right, uh, yeah, what I'm adding was his it to name? my list. Oh, the drag queen? Yes. Oh, William Dorsey Swan. House of Swan. William William Dorsey Swan. House of Swan. I live, girl. I'm a join. Um, Because I think a lot of times, like, people just envision this queerness just to be, here you go. Specifically back then, queerness was what the slave masters did. You know, that whole buck breaking, you know, and it was the Bible. (laughs) Very, very that. Like, we don't do that. Boom. So to be that flamboyant back then... To me, I find mm. that very, very liberating. Like, totally. bitch, you couldn't keep us like there. We have literally just been here through through time, and mm-hmm. because the the other thing is, you don't see our bodies of in this effeminate, elaborate, whatever. Back then, mm-hmm. you, you just don't see that. You always see Europeans doing that. So it, right. then, at least for my mother, it's it's you know the homo thing is for white folks. For most black people, you know, it is. It's the, that's for white folks, girl. We don't do that. Uh-uh, nope. So to see queerness back then in, what, the 1700s, mm-hmm. it just, ugh. Right. Is anybody else encouraged on that? <laughs> is anybody else, like, you feel like you've just left the prayer line, like you got the little warm fuzzies. Like, yes, God. Oh, right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's so many people, you hear it over and over again, saying, you know, Oh, you know, homosexuality or the homosexual lifestyle or 
being trans or being non-binary, uh-huh. being gender non-conforming is a new thing, right? Everyone thinks it's like a new phenomenon. Very, very true. They, them pronouns, right? What they don't realize is what's new is being straight, right? Heterosexuality, the word heterosexual is newer than the word homosexual, right? Thousands of years ago, uh, even here, Native Americans uh, were already gender nonconforming, non-binary, right? We now call it two-spirit. Thousands and thousands of years ago. It wasn't until the Europeans came, I heard you talking about colonialism uh, earlier, it wasn't until they came and brought this notion, oh no, there's only two buckets, right? Mm-hmm. You're either male or female. Mm-hmm. And that, and they started literally killing anyone who didn't conform, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't fit into those buckets. That was new, right? That was only a few hundred years ago. Thousands of years ago, uh, you had, you know, we might call them drag queens now or gender nonconforming or trans, um, going all the way back to, to Mesopotamia. Say that ancient uh, uh, Egypt and ancient Greece. Um, so this, what's new is is the homophobia. Well, you know, the good book says, honey, there ain't nothing new up under the sun, says. So, mm-hmm. but I do, I do agree. The only thing is new is just the fact that people have language to identify how they present or what they feel. So right. here you go. Last question, and then I'm gonna let you go. <laughs> do you think, uh, or here you go, why isn't queer history taught in schools and do you think that will be changing? I hope so. I think it, it, it's not taught because it's it's it doesn't help those in power, right? If if people are taught early on that there's an alternative way of living and of consuming and of existing, then that's scary yeah. to the people who are making all the money and to the people in power who who get their power by pushing people down, right? right? So you have state legislature. You know, I'm from Texas. The Texas legislature <laughs> is not going to promote. A, a queer studies class because they're terrified of what would what what else would they start questioning? Would our kids start questioning if they're questioning our own history and learning that actually you know drag queens existed in the 1800s and you know uh, non-binary folks existed here uh, on what is now stolen land for thousands of years, right? And so I think it's it's ultimately a political thing, and we have to as as citizens say you know we need to be taught the truth. We the people is what the Constitution says. I wonder mm-hmm. when we will step into that power. How old are you? <laughs> uh, a lady never tells, but uh, 28. <laughs> really? I thought you were like 24 and I was about to be really offended. Oh, so I don't feel that <laughs> That's bad. Good. That's because my ring light. Made it, it, like, yeah, you girl, the... <laughs> it's, it's, it's concealing them. It's pulled tight. And you're a homo, <laughs> so we know you moisturize. Well, <laughs> Dr. Eric. <laughs> This has been a blessing. Tell the people where they can follow along. I like, do you have a YouTube channel or something? Like, I do, do yeah. I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram, trying out TikTok. It's just my name, Eric Cervini with a C, C-E-R. Um, do you, like, I think you should, I'm serious. I don't know. I'm going to call Grinder. I'm going to call my friend. At, I'm serious. I'm going to call, I have some friends at Grinder, And I think if we could, you, because this, we need to get that out there. Tell the people the name of the book again so I don't jack the title up. Sure. It's, it's The Deviant's War, The Homosexual versus the United States of America. Amen. I'm really going to make a call. Oh, this, well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm such s- a fan and my God. So it's, it's such an honor to be and here. And you're in LA too? I am. I am an LA girl. Bitch, we can get a, like a little sound studio and let me call Please. somebody. Okay, oh my God, right. we'll stay in touch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let me call him. Ryan, that's his name. He's the one who signs the checks. Okay, all right, bye. Bye, thank you so much. Thank you. Ellie, Ellie.
Now's your time. Now, family, I want to hear from you. Call, email, text, voicemail, girl. Now, here you go. The phone number is 818-252-9468. That's 818-252-9468. Okay? Or email us at aceofheartspod at gmail.com. That's aceofheartspod at gmail.com. Okay, girl? We want to hear from you. Y'all be blessed. We'll see you next time here on HeadCom. That was a HeadGum Podcast.